Welcome to the MedTech Wealth Advisor Podcast, a show dedicated to teaching professionals and entrepreneurs in the MedTech field how to save more money, pay less taxes, and become financially independent. Join certified financial planner, professional Matthew Nelson, as he draws from years of experience and speaks with guest experts to solve the biggest challenge, aligning your money with your values, while thriving in the mission-driven world of MedTech. Hello, and welcome to the MedTech Wealth Advisor podcast with Matt Nelson. Matt, we're, in this episode, we're continuing a conversation on equity compensation that we that we started talking about restricted stocks and restricted stock units. First part was interesting. I think you left some open questions. One of them might be like, well, okay, I've got them. How do I maximize them? I hope you're going to explore that in today's, today's yes, episode. Yes, it, it's a good tee up is exactly what we're going to talk about because there's a, there's a lot more to it than just hoping your stock price goes through the roof. Like it's, you know, there's, there's more to think about. Um, and I, I brought Jacob back with me today, Jacob LaRue, financial planner in my office, because again, I think he's got great expertise in this area and it's, it's, we'll dialogue a little bit here as, as we explore this, both he and I are responsible for, uh, looking at these situations with clients. And so, uh, I think that'll be, that'll be good. Welcome to the show here, Jacob. Yeah. Excited to be back and Hopefully we can have some uh, good conversation about maximizing this compensation here. Yeah. And, you know, of course, uh, the, the audience that, that we have uh, for the show is, is part, usually part of the, the med tech community. And, you know, there's a, there's a, obviously a ton of publicly traded companies, private companies, how we maximize value it has some similarities, but depending on whether you're publicly traded or a private company, it's going to determine some of the strategy we look at. So, what we're going to look at today is how to capture value, make sure you're capturing the value, how to reduce the risk that comes along with this uh, equity comp now that you've got it, and then how to think about this benefit when it comes to job offers, which is it, it all sort of flows together, but it's it's three distinct kind of ways that we should be thinking about this. Right. So Jacob, yeah. where should we start? I think if we start on the the capturing the value, because I think it's going to be one of the more important things that we hit home on is, is it's not just a home run, like some people might think. So maybe we could dive into uh, what we talked about a little bit last time and just recall that RSUs are taxed very similar to your wages. So you get this compensation, you can think of it as extra salary, if you would. And some of the some of the risks that might be taken off the table if you think of it that way. So maybe Matt, do you want to jump into like the the real world example that we've had with clients that have worked at Medtronic recently, just with the stock price changes? Yes, yeah, it, and it's we we looked this up, and, and you could think we're cherry picking history, but literally this was just 2022 <laughs> when this happened. So it's kind of a, a a close to home example. But again, back, just to kind of touch on what Jacob is saying, again, if you're looking through the lens that this benefit is really part of your wages, if you didn't have this benefit, you probably would get a higher salary because if you, if you weren't, you'd be getting underpaid. So make sure you kind of frame that up that most of the time, this isn't just a cherry on top. It's supposed to be part of your compensation. So now with that, let's go through this example. Let's just say, uh, and, and recall back that your shares typically will have a vesting period. So let's say over four years, that's super common. So let's say you have 4,000 shares of Medtronic, which wouldn't be uncommon depending on your, your position in the company. It could be a, a regular party compensation, but the first 4,000 are coming due or, or being vested after the first year. And let's say that was in 2022. Well, in 2020, March of 2022, 
Medtronic was at 106 a share. And so your thousand shares be worth $106,000. Great. Sounds, sounds good so far, but let's say you, for whatever reason, decide to hold on to them because at that time the price was on a tear. Everything was on a tear pretty much through 2021. And maybe this was just a little pullback, but you hold on to them by December price is down to $72 a share. So that's 34,000 less that you would receive in cash for your stock. Now, again, go back to the reframing. If this was just money out of your pocket, you bought Medtronic and you decided to hold it, that's different than if it was part of your wages that you just lost 34,000. So part of the reason that we, when we talk about capturing value is we want to take advantage of the known value versus the unknown value with the hold. And in this case, probably selling them right away and capturing that value would be a better better opportunity. Exactly right. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes down to what you're building your cash flow plans around. So maybe you were planning on that 106000 this year, but you decided to hold the stock and now it drops 34000 That That's not going to help your cash flow plans. Maybe your driveway is not going to be paid for. We've seen some crazy things. So yep. those are all considerations that we have to take. Yep, exactly. Now, the other way, to, an, an additional way to think about this is, is how we, again, think about capturing the value is if you do capture that known value versus the unknown, you might be able to actually use that cash, even if you don't need to spend it for wage replacement or part of your, your ongoing expenses, you might be able to take that and add it to other areas of your portfolio that are underweighted. So it's hard to on an ongoing basis, continually have the right balance of stock and bond and real estate and cash and so forth. And so it takes some work over time, but these, these vesting dates can be a natural spot for new cash to come due and then take that cash and apply it to your portfolio. So as example, let's say that you're, maybe you're light on real estate. Maybe you have no real estate in your portfolio. Uh, maybe this is a perfect spot to, to use that cash to add it, or you've gotten a little equity or stock heavy because the markets have been doing so well. And instead of having to sell some of your stocks to then rebalance and put into bonds, you might be able to just use this newly vested RSUs to use the cash to buy bonds. So it can be very efficient to balance your portfolio as you go. Right, right. But then, you know, you have the people that come to us and say, what about holding for that home run? Because everybody wants to hit a home run yeah. with any type of investment. So there's definitely some some things both on the public and private side that, that you should probably talk on here. Yeah. I mean, right. Of course, in our example there well, was at 106, but we would have been super happy if it went to 150, you know, by December. Mm -hmm. And so that that is the natural response. But what you have to think about is it, it's possible, but it's not likely that you're you know, your let's say you're in a private company that your private company is going to become the next Google, and you know even with a public company, it's possible that your company will outperform the market. But things kind of work on averages, and as a general rule, the way we manage investments, we want to capture what uh, what's more consistent, and that's generally the market versus a uh, concentration in any one company. And so, it's you're probably better off uh, if you want to leave the money invested selling your company stock and just buying across an investment portfolio. Again, people say, well, what if it, what if the next home runs stock? It's just not as likely. And if, and if that is the case, we need to go through your plan to look at how much can you actually hold of an investment that could dramatically underperform the market and just frame that up. In other words, at least have a strategy and a plan and a, and a lens you're looking through versus just defaulting to holding your restricted stock. Right. Yeah. If, if we can look at it that way, it's going to, it's going to change your perspective, 
hopefully for the better. And then it will help us understand maybe your goals even a little more and your objectives, because maybe there is a reason to hold it. So those are the types of conversations that we like to have with our clients. Right. And I, I realized I, I left out one point, which was that you have to remember that it, because when the stock vests, you're taxed on it right away, it becomes essentially the same as cash. Like it, it is, as long as you sell it right away, it's cash. So th- with that framing, think of, would you use that cash to buy your company stock? If you got a paycheck or a bonus for a hundred thousand in March, would you turn around and take that and actually buy your company stock? And it's a lot less likely when you think of it that way. Some people would, but we'd probably want to go through the planning with them before they decide to do that. Yeah. That's a good way to think about it is, are you really going to go take your bonus that was actually cash of a hundred thousand and buy the same stock? That's, that's yeah. a great, great point. Yeah. I think <clears throat> Jacob, I wonder if some of this confusion comes though, because it's natural to think about stock options that, which are much used to be much more popular than they are now. There's, they're still around. Um, they're still often used, but the thinking with stock options as a form of equity compensation does provide you a little bit of leverage and there's a little more choice as well as like when you realize the the taxation. Mm-hmm. And so there can be some, can, some confusion, I think, as, as to, well, I'll just hold on to my stock options because, uh, you know, that's got a, a lot of upside and it's true because there's, there's some leverage there, but as we just framed up, this is the same as holding stock. So right. it's, it's no different. Right. Yeah. RSUs yeah. typically aren't issued at a discount like some stock options would be. So the, the sure. leverage play is different. Should we jump into some some risk and how to reduce that with these type of RSUs? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, it, and again, back to kind of the, the big picture of like, how we how do we maximize this benefit? Well, we're trying to capture the known value. But now we, we need to think about it from the other side. How do we reduce the risk of it? The first thing you need to consider is sell at least enough to pay your taxes. So we, we touched on some of this in the prior episode. We're going to go through an example here. But again, the biggest thing is you have this tax bill due whether you whether you wanted it to be or not. If they are going to vest on in March, taxes are going to be due. So it's seriously painful to, to end up reporting more in taxes then you know then you would eventually realize from cash in the sale you know worst case scenario and you have to remember that at vest okay so there's some there's a mandatory withholding to prepay the taxes it's done at something called a supplemental tax rate and so at a high level this withholding that the company's going to do to help prepay your taxes it's usually not enough to take care of what you're going to be liable for so unless there's some other elections made um, which we'll talk about later, then you're probably going to owe more in taxes than was withheld anyway. So that's why this becomes a, a big deal, though, the discussion about sell enough to to pay taxes. You may need to sell a little bit more than your supplemented withholding rate. So here's an example. Let's say Medtronic. So go back to this scenario where you had a thousand shares and they vested in March. It was at 106 a share. Let's just say you, you have a 30, you, you're now a 30% tax rate on that, that 106. So that's roughly $32,000. You'll be left with about 76 bucks after you pay the taxes. Again, high level here. But again, let's say you hold it till December. You don't sell right away. And now the share price is $72. Well, not only will you owe, you still owe the taxes on that 106 price, but now when the stock is 32% less, you go to sell it to raise the cash to pay any additional taxes. You still owe 32,000 of taxes, you're going to net 72,000 of actual cash. That's going to feel kind of like a 40 per, 44% rate 
it's it's not a higher tax rate, but that's what it's going to kind of feel like to you. Exactly. Yeah. Because you decide to hold on to that stock and take that risk, your take home is going to be quite a bit smaller. Yep. Because you still got to pay the tax. Still got to pay the tax. Tax is based on the vest. That's the most important thing to remember. It's not based on when you sell it. It's based on the price of the vest. So just keep that in mind. Have you run into any any trading windows, Jacob? Like, is there some restrictions maybe of when you could actually Yeah, sell? so very dependent on the company and what position you hold at the company is what I would say on that one. So what we're talking about is restricted trading windows for, for some highly compensated employees or top executives at companies. Typically, a company doesn't want you trading prior to public information. So they're going to limit you on when you can trade. And if you're higher up, typically you might you might have a shorter trading window than some lower level uh, employees who could trade more on a daily basis because they don't have that same information you have. One example that, that we've run into is just, let's say you're a top executive at uh, a med tech company. Uh, you might be restricted to sell your stock during a two-week period each quarter. So think about that. You, you might be trading your stock at $106 but you don't have it on your calendar to go sell it during your trading window. Now you got to wait a whole nother quarter before your next two week window opens up. And maybe the stock price has gone down to $72, like in our prior example. So you really got to pay attention to those trading windows when, when you're a top level executive at a big company, because again, it just, it can really change what you take home in terms of your uh, RSU compensation. Yeah. And it can apply to, to surprisingly, you don't have to be necessarily C-suite. And and if you are subject to this, you probably know, but it's just worth reiterating how valuable it is to map out all of the vest dates you have uh, on top of any trading windows you have and any other blackout periods, you know, that are, that are implied. So right. yeah, that's, yeah, uh, that's minimizing the risk. Yeah. We, we hit on it last episode, but again, those, those type of details are going to be in those key documents, you know, so equity compensation agreements and all those things will lay out those rules for you. The other point that we need to talk about is just kind of going back to the risk involved with holding the stock. A lot of these employees that come to us, they already have some other forms of equity compensation. So Matt, let's talk about that for a second. Just a concentrated stock portfolio. What does that mean? Yeah, right. And when we talk about so just broadly concentrated stock as an issue, you know, there's no there's no one definition for what it takes to qualify as having a concentrated stock in your portfolio. It, it could be as little as 1%. It could be that you could be holding as much as 20% and, and that's still fine. What we're talking about though is just really understanding how much exposure you have to that one particular company. So you need to start with, what does your financial plan say? How much can that allow? How much risk can you take? If you lost significant value on this one holding, um, does that derail everything? So with that lens in mind, then we, we need to, to look at, if you have restricted stock units coming due on a regular basis and you just default to continuing to hold them, you're going to build up a surprising level of exposure to the company. If in addition, you maybe have some stock options out there, maybe you're participating in an employer stock purchase plan as well. I've seen this, I've seen this before too. People are just, they, they, they're loyal to their company and they've gone out and they've bought some stock in their regular brokerage account. So before you know it, they're starting to hit that 10, 20% exposure to their net worth. Again, on this point of like, how do we maximize the value here? Well, one, make sure you sell it when you know the value. 
But number two, the reason why you do that is so you don't get overexposed to risk. Right. Yeah. Because let's let's just take that same example of Medtronic that we lost. Was it thirty two thousand or one hundred six yeah. to seventy two? Thirty thousand dollars worth of value. Let's just multiply that by two or three. That starts to become a big number. So getting getting diversified within your portfolio is is a big deal. The next thing that we might want to talk about here is just some key things to keep in mind when you're receiving job offers from these companies that might provide equity comp in the form of RSUs. Uh, there's some differences that we'll talk about here between public and private too. Maybe that's that's a good place to start. Just how should we think about it? RSU compensation from a public side or a private side? Yes. Uh, that, so with job offers, again, through the lens that this is generally part of your salary could turn out to be more or less than expected. You know, it sounds like an obvious statement, but you have to keep that in mind. Your your base is known. Having this great benefit, this equity compensation benefit is restricted stock, it's a bit of an unknown. So with the with a public company, pretty straightforward. You know the real there's a real value there. You see it on the stock exchange, you know, that you're looking at, you know, and every second it's trading. When you get the grant of the shares, have a pretty good idea of what it's worth because usually at grant date, they peg the value and that's the number that you're presented as, as the amount of equity compensation. But it's still dependent on the not just the direction of the stock price in the near term, but it's really the average price you receive over your vesting period. So just think about a scenario where you start out with the stock at grant and it's $10 a share. And you know six months later, it's at $20 a share. But then it drops back down to $9 a share six months after that, which is your first vest date. So it's gone up, come back down below your vest date, and then proceeds to go back up to $20 a share. And it does this over the course of four years when you're vesting your stock. So it really matters what are you getting on each of the vest periods when you sell it. And hopefully it's higher. That's the whole point of this, this uh, equity compensation benefit is it's it's an incentive for employees to have a piece of the the success in the company on a go forward basis so that they, they, you know, as, as is hoped, they, they work hard, do their job well, make the company grow, enterprise value grows, their compensation grows, but just keep in mind, you're going to want to know how much safety do you value versus upside? So think of that on a personal level, what's most important to you. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's a common theme with what we do for clients is just the risk capacity. So both within a portfolio, but specifically with these types of clients who have equity comp, there's a different type of risk capacity that we're talking about. It's how much of your your salary that you want to live off of can you maybe give up? You could think of it that way because a, a stock could go to zero. It, that, that is the floor of every stock. So got to keep that in mind always. With a private company, the value is is less known. There there should be a value, and it's what you would look for is a four hundred nine a valuation. And this is something when you're when you're a private company that should be available to you. Um, it's what the price would get based off of at grant, and you would hope you would see a new valuation every year. That is that may or may not be the case. It's just less it's less dependable exactly when you'll know what the next value. Valuation is, and there can be fickleness with you know the private equity investors highly dependent say funding milestones that have to be met in these private companies. So they're holding restricted stock in a private company has a lot more upside, but it's it's hard to judge. So when we're talking about job offers here, which is the what we're we're, we're looking at, what does that mean? Well, 
you need to take into account that the value is kind of it's kind of made up in a way because it's it's like the old adage of you know your house is worth what somebody's going to pay for it not what uh not what you know zillow tells you right and that's kind of what happens with a private company like until the thing gets sold you don't really know what it's going to be worth so take into the, they take that into account when you get an offer if you are much more inclined to have stability you might want to just request more base and less equity on the other hand let's say you're more established this is a you know a second or third position for you you've been in industry for a while, you built up some some capital, you might actually be okay with a less base and more equity compensation because you can sustain it. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that kind of flows right into this next point that we were going to make is like, how long are you going to be at the company? So a lot of times, you know, you might in this in this med tech field, there's a lot of job shifting going around. You might have a certain initiative at a company and you you push that through within a three or four year period. And now you got to go find something else to do. Um, and maybe that next position offers you some type of RSU compensation, but there's a three or four year cliff schedule attached to it, meaning you're not going to get any of those RSUs until that three years is up or four years. Those are all considerations that you're going to want to take into account because maybe that means you need to negotiate for a higher salary because you know you're not going to be there four years from now. And then same thing kind of on the, the private company side, Will you be going public within that time frame that meets your desire to be at the company? Those are types of conversations you can have during a job offer and just negotiate what you really need out of the company. Yep, it's a very good point, especially in the private company, because it could the the time frame may go much further than your vest period. So you could easily have a situation where you receive restricted stock with a double trigger and it's a the, the triggers are a time period let's say four years that you have to be with the the organization but then also the company has to go public or go through a merger or something like that well that could take a lot longer than four years and so to, to jacob's point it's hard to predict but let's just say that you're there for six six years you pass the four-year mark technically you own all these uh these shares hasn't gone public you have a great offer somewhere else all that value goes away if you leave. So just think about it again, back with the job offers, we wrap this up. You really should be working with a financial advisor or doing your own planning, but in make these decisions based on the much longer term picture, because this could be a major capital asset that that may or may not come to come to fruition for you. And you might want to decide whether you want to take more safety with salary or if it makes more sense to take more equity. Yeah. So in summary, I think today we basically covered that you need to capture the known value. That's that's pretty important. You need to, to figure out if you're going to be over or under withheld on your taxes and what you need to do about it. Uh, so there's not a big hurt. And the the final thing I think is just consider what you can negotiate on the front end and where you see yourself going in the short term and the long term. Because maybe you do want to stay at the company for longer than the three or four years. Well, then maybe you can deal with a a larger vesting schedule. Yep. Sounds good. I I think that hammers at home for now. There's a bunch of other issues we want to talk about in a future episode, more dealing with uh, mistakes to avoid. Although we touched on a couple in here, they're really more Mm -hmm. focused on kind of the, the positives of like how you can be proactive some of these mistakes that we'll look at it frankly could just be mistakes of of not paying attention so we will focus a whole episode on that 
Uh, you know, I got a really quick question listening to this conversation. And, and this may be something that you're going to do going ahead, Matt. But I kept thinking, is there a way, is there a way to, to minimize the tax impact? I have to realize these shares. Is there is there a way that I share that I can sell them and and minimize the tax impact without getting cute? Because the IRS does sure. not like cute on taxes. Got an answer on that one? Or? Right. It, it's actually a common question. I mean, it's the short answer is on the actual event, no, because you really don't have much choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, there could be some planning we do at the same time. So. It, back to knowing exactly when these shares are going to vest. So we know when that income is going to hit. That may be a year that we change up how, you, how much you're putting in your 401k plan. Uh-huh. Or that may be a year that we purposely take you know a loss on another capital asset. There's other, others I'm sure you can think of, Jacob, off the top of your mm-hmm. head. But yeah. it's, it's more about coupling what's happening with other tax strategies and sometimes saving other tax strategies for future years when you know you're going to have this restricted stock income to deal with. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I think there's the way we like to think of it is there's just a bunch of levers to to pull and it's a matter of when to pull the right one. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Interesting conversation. Thanks guys. Really appreciate it. Matt, appreciate you facilitating it. People who are listening. Probably some want to reach out to you to continue this conversation in a more personal kind of way. How can they get a hold of you? So start with our website at, at perspective6group.com. It's a number six. Our contact information's out there, a lot of good information about the company. We have an articles section, essentially a blog, a number of articles related to equity compensation you could take a look at. And you can also just reach out and, and call us at 952-225-033. 952-225-0333. I would also include though, as we're looking at upcoming episodes, what topics we would want to talk about, feel free to contact us at mwapodcast at focusfinancial.com. Give us your suggestions. We'll sort through them. If, if it makes sense for the broader listener base, we'll definitely cover the topic. That's fantastic. Great. Thank you, Matt. And viewers, thank you for taking the time to listen. We appreciate it. If you're not a subscriber already, I don't know why you wouldn't be. Hit the subscribe button. It's easy. That way you don't miss one of these episodes, it will be delivered to wherever it is that you listen to the podcast. On behalf of Matt Nelson and everybody at Perspective 6, I'm Bill Tucker, thanking you for listening and reminding you to go out and live your best life now, today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the MedTech Wealth Advisor Podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.perspective6group.com or give us a call toll-free at 888-591-9770 or locally at 952-225-0333. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of Osaic Wealth, Inc., and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Investment advisory, insurance, and financial planning services offered through Focus Financial, Inc. Securities offered through Osaic Wealth, Inc. Member FINRA forward slash SIPC. 
Mosaic Wealth is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products or services mentioned here are independent of Mosaic Wealth. <laughs>